Good morning, Genesis. Good morning, Genesis. <laughs> Good morning to those of you here in the room. Good morning to those of you still getting your tea and your coffee and your conversation and your hugs and your remembrance that we celebrate Advent in community, which is what we spoke about last week. And it's so good to see people connecting and being Christmas to each other. I invite you to stand. There won't be as much up and down as uh, I put you through last week, but I do invite you to stand if you're able this morning for our call to worship. As has been so often through this Advent service, we have a responsive reading. So I will read the leader line, and then I look forward to hearing you all read the all line. It works out well that way. Here we go. Father, we enter into this spirit of worship. We enter this time of Advent. We enter into this time of community with this call to worship. Our God can part the sea. God can bring water from a rock and provide bread in the desert. Our God can walk on water. Our God sets the stars in the sky. There is nothing our God cannot do. My prayer for you today in this space and what you take with us is that you will have a sense of wonder that is rooted firmly in the knowledge that there is nothing our God cannot do. Let's sing together.
as we move into the lighting of the Advent candles. I always think it's interesting to point out that this week we light a different color. We light pink. Does anyone remember why that is? That's okay. It was a trick question. For the first time out of the four weeks of Advent, we now have more light than we have darkness. And that's why we light the third candle is a different color. I'm going to meet my daughter down there to do reading. This reading is from the chapter of Isaiah, no, book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 through 3 and 10 through 11. The spirit of the Lord, the eternal, is on me. The Lord has appointed me for, the, for a special purpose. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to repair broken hearts and to declare to those who are held captive and bound in prison, be free from your imprisonment. He has sent me to announce the year of Jubilee the seasons of the Lord's favor. For our enemies, it will be a day of God's wrath. For those who mourn, it will be a time of comfort. As for those who grieve over Zion, God has sent me to give them a beautiful crown in exchange for ashes, to anoint them with gladness instead of sorrow, to wrap them in victory, joy, and praise instead of depression and sadness. People will call them magnificent, like great towering trees standing for what is right. They stand to the glory of the Lord who planted them. All right, I invite you to stand as we do our responsive reading for that. How does a weary world practice joy? Showing up for our community. How does a weary world practice love? Practicing empathy and assuming the best in others by learning people's stories and finding common ground, by advocating for justice and saving a place at the table. There are a million ways to practice joy and love. So today we light the candles of love and joy as a reminder and a charge. With God's help, may we bring joy and love into a weary
morning. If you want, you can stay standed. We're going to have an affirmation of faith. Do an affirmation of faith here. And uh, see if we got it on the screen yet. You'll be doing the part where it says all, and uh, I'm the reader. We believe in a God who knows our names, who counts the hairs on our heads, and carries the dreams in our hearts. We believe that God's fingerprints are all over creation. It's forever speaking to us in a million different ways. We know that grief, fear, and suffering abound. We know that suffering quells joy and makes it harder to hope. But we choose hope anyway. In the face of hardship, we hope together. We hope with God. We hope for a better world. Therefore, we commit ourselves to moving through this world with eyes wide open, with porous hearts and grateful spirits. We commit ourselves to living lives of awe, wonder, and gratitude, trusting that these things will forever draw us deeper into God's loving arms. We believe we stand in awe. Thanks be to God. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Okay, so my name is Trent. Uh, welcome to Genesis. Hi. I have announcements for you. I have five announcements. How many announcements do I have? Okay, we're going to count through them. Number one, we would love to know that you're here, and there are a couple of different ways to do that. One is that there are green cards in your pew. That's more of a traditional style. Um, but also there's a QR code on the back of the pew. So if you want to fill that out digitally, please feel free to take a picture of that, fill out a digital green card. Um, full transparency, it's just a way for us to know that you're here, get to know you. Uh, pastor or staff might be reaching out just saying, hey, we're glad that you're here. So just want to be transparent. Also, um, if you fill out one of the green uh, physical cards, there is a donation box in the back where we put our offering. Um, and that is also where we put the offering. So I want to share a little bit about that. So Genesis is fully operated by your faithful and generous support. Uh, so offering does things like fund the warming center, which I'm going to talk about, uh, supporting community cafe on Saturdays, um, paying our pastors and staff, and really just even warming this building. So if you are a faithful member of this church, if this is a space that you call a safe space on Sunday, we just love to invite you to be part of that offering and help support us. Okay, number three. Three, uh, between January 21st and February 4th, Genesis will be partnering with Oakland County to host our annual warming center. So please raise your hand if you know what the warming center is. Awesome, okay, we've got a good amount. I also see people that don't have their hands up. So the warming center is this awesome thing that Genesis does with Oakland County. We partnered to provide a safe and warm place for our friends that are experiencing homelessness to stay on nights and weekends for two weeks. So if you'd like to be a part of that, there are lots of different ways to be involved. Uh, the biggest need is being an overnight host. Since we're having people stay overnight, you'd be working either an early evening shift, early, it ends at about 1 a.m., or the late shift, which goes through about that 1.30 to 7 in the morning, so that we can have people stay here safely. 
This is the biggest need, but there are also other spaces where you can volunteer. Those would include working showers, doing uh, cleanup and teardown, uh, being a weekend host and just building relationships with others. So there are lots of ways for us to be involved and care for others that are experiencing homelessness. This is something that's part of our DNA as a church. We care for the marginalized, and we really would love to invite you to partner with us in this. Right now, there are over 200 spots open. We have seven filled. So if you're thinking, man, I would really like to get involved. I'm feeling curious about this. I'd like to be part of something bigger than myself and feel a sense of purpose. I would invite you to talk to me. I'm gonna be standing by the boards in the lobby after service. I'd love to talk to you about what it means to be involved. If you can give big, small, donate your time. If you're not able to donate time, there's also a space for giving financially, but we'd love to invite you to partner us with us on this. Okay, number four. Um, if you've experienced loss or are mourning or in a season of waiting, the joy of the holiday season can often feel elusive and out of reach. As a result, churches around the world have adopted the practice of having a blue Christmas service. This is also known as a longest night service. And it's on winter solstice, the shortest day of the year, December 21st. So we'll be hosting that at Genesis. That is this coming Thursday at 6 p.m. December 21st. We'd like to just take a moment for all, us all to just pause and think about someone in our life that might be feeling weary. That might be us, that might be a family member, that might be a friend. And I'd love for us to just pause for 30 seconds and think about who in our lives might we want to invite to have a safe space to just grieve or wait or mourn during this season. So I'd like to invite you to just wait and think. So if anyone came to mind, we would love for you to invite them to the service, maybe come with them and provide a safe space for them to just process and feel or maybe just sit during the season. There was also a text that went out this morning at about 9.30 that has a link to a digital invite. So if you wanna text that to your friend, um, that is also an option. Okay, number five, I have talked enough. This is the last announcement. Plan on being with us on Christmas Eve, which is this coming Sunday. We are only going to have a Christmas Eve service. There will not be a, Christmas, or a Sunday morning service. There will not be a Christmas Day service. But this Sunday at 5 p.m., we'll be having a Christmas Eve service, and we would love to see you here. All right, now it's time to connect. So we just ask that you stand up and talk to the people around you and connect with one another.
Good morning again. Hey, welcome to Genesis. Great to have you with us this rainy Advent season of the day. This morning, Bonnie Backing is going to be teaching this morning. She's one of our elders, and it's always a pleasure when, when Bonnie gets the chance to teach. Uh, you may know her as she served in the garden or from a group or her husband Daniel or her children that are here. But we're excited that Bonnie, I'm always excited when I ask Bonnie if she's willing and she says yes. Because I know that Bonnie listens uh, when the opportunity comes. She listens to God and she puts bef um, before God and she's like, oh, what would be good for our community? So I know that she doesn't like doing this, <laughs> right? And, and, and anyone who does, you know, we're always a little suspicious of you. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm excited for her, yes. So Bonnie's going to be, be stepping up and um, teaching this morning. But one of the parts that we're, we were looking at in Advent is, in, is about the life of John the Baptist, the birth of John the Baptist. And this is one of the prayers. Um, they said John the Baptist was a light. He, was one, he wasn't the light, but he came to reveal the light. And that light was Jesus. And there's so many things that happen in the world that seem to diminish the light, where it feels like light is being extinguished and or we're getting weary. And that's the whole series, right? How does a weary world rejoice? With those ideas, we know that the major that as followers to Jesus, that we too are meant to reveal light. And for so many people, you do it through your generosity. And we acknowledge that for you opening your homes and welcoming people in. I, I know of so many people here in the community who are hosting parties and people and making room for people and celebrating with others and welcoming people into their home. And I know others who are making cookies and inviting people in. You're a light. One other thing that we had some people that were doing too that get, they were, they've been making scarves and hats in order to give away during this season. They've been doing it for a bit. They've pulled in families, and they've pulled in friends. And even when they were serving the Saturday lunch, there were some people who heard about it and wanted to participate in it too. So there's something like 35 hats and scarves that they're going to be distributing this week to the Ruth Ellis Center in Detroit. And to, uh, that's an organization that helps um, homeless, runaway, LGBTQ uh, teens in the city of Detroit and just offering a support and a refuge. So they're going to be giving some there, and they're also going to be giving some to a family um, homeless center and, and, and place in Pontiac that's going to be, they're going to be distributing in them. So these are just normal people in our community, and we always kind of say our, um, our heroes are among us. They're everyday people who live like Jesus. And so, but what, what they wanted to do is they did it, they didn't, none of, none of the people who made them wanted to stand up and be seen at that but they wanted to bring them before you and said would would you feel comfortable praying for them and, and it can be kind of weird praying for a scarf or a hat but but we know they're objects that connect to people because that's what that's what we care about and so they, if you've got a prayer or you like doing that kind of thing or, or you're like, yeah, I, I, I like to be tactile like that and touch things and, um, and pray for the people who would wear them. So they're, they're here on this table right here. And at any time today or at the end, you want to come up and, and just pray for them and for the kids or the families who are going to be wearing them. 
just to ask for God's blessing and to pray. So they're here for that. They're going to get distributed um, in this next week. So this is also a prayer. Um, it's a liturgy that's part of the offering. And so many of you give to so many different things. And the majority, a lot of you even give here, but we give digitally and we sometimes forget um, even what we're doing. And so I want to just pray this prayer and pray for the scarves and the hats before Bonnie comes up. So here's, this, here's a prayer. God of hope and compassion, just as John the Baptist came long ago in Judea to witness to your light, we remember that light he heralds is the savior of hope. Sometimes it seems our world is determined to extinguish hope and light. We admit that there are times when we feel the darkness is just too prevalent, too strong, and hope is just wishful thinking. May we witness through our giving, not scarcity and despair, but fierce hope, joy, and compassion. May we witness through what we say and what we do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And so, Father, too, for the scarves and the hats, I mean, those who put them on feel surrounded by your love and your care, your touch. They are not forgotten that you know them and that they're, um, they are known and loved. Amen. And here comes Bonnie. So this is Bonnie. Um, I, I was having this thought for you this morning, and this may seem really cheesy. It's kind of a little bit Mr. Rogers, but I'm cool with that because he was a beautiful man, right? Um, so when you were kind of thinking about this, just feeling nervous and, and, and all that, maybe even pressure or things like that, the, the words that I had, what I was kind of thinking about for you who know Bonnie, was this, we like you. <laughs> right? We like you. You have nothing to prove or do. We like you. And so, church, can you let Bonnie know that this morning? If you can just shout to you, we like you. <laughs> so with that, may you feel that affirmation, but also the affirmation of God as you continue to say yes and open your mouth and encourage us. Thank you. Aw, thanks. Thanks to all of you, and thanks to God for the encouragement. Um, I was actually tearing up while Heather was singing as we were just praising God for all the things he's done, thinking like, wow, God, you've done a lot to bring someone with all these fears up here today. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'll go ahead and dive in. Um, my name is Bonnie. I'm up here this morning to lead us through the next step of our Advent journey called, How Does a Weary World Rejoice? Last week, Hannah hit a home run. She talked about weariness in relationships and joy that can come through connection. This week, we'll talk about a different kind of weariness and another pathway to joy. Sometimes we get weary because of the way our world is. We live with so much brokenness. One aspect of our broken world that touches all of us is illness. Colds, flu, strep, COVID, RSV, sudden traumatic injuries, chronic pain, mental illness, addiction, cancer, 
birth defects, asthma, arthritis, and the list is endless. We're weary. Natural disasters and the devastation and toll on people and the environment, death and the accompanying loss and grief. We're weary. And beyond just brokenness, there's also evil in the world. Wars, human trafficking, mass shootings, systemic oppression of minorities, abuse, powerful people who use their power to control and hurt others. And this at list is endless too. We're weary of this world. And these moments of brokenness, big and small, are so constant that they can drain us and rob us of our joy. What makes you weary? Are there aspects of this world that we live in that make you feel weary, discouraged, or hopeless? I think the answer for all of us must be yes. And these things are so big and we can't just slap a spiritual band-aid or a trite phrase on them and make them feel all better. And I'm not gonna try to do that today. It would not be respectful to the pain that many of you have been through and are going through. I am, however, going to present a potential pathway to joy that we are invited into. Because the brokenness and evil are real. And so is our God who wants to give us joy in the midst of it. So let's pray and begin. God, we are all here this morning and we ask that you speak to us. We need to hear from you. Help us to hear and understand what you are saying. Amen. Our series is called, How Does a Weary World Rejoice? The last two weeks we've answered this question with, we acknowledge our weariness and we find joy in connection. We saw weariness in Zachariah and Elizabeth's story. An angel told Zachariah that his wife Elizabeth was going to have a son and Zachariah couldn't believe it. Maybe the pain and weariness of years of unanswered prayers for a child made him numb. But however it happened, because of his unbelief, the angel told him he would be unable to speak until his son was born. We saw weariness in the isolation of Elizabeth and Mary, and then joy when they met and were able to hold joy for each other that was maybe hard for them to feel for themselves. We'll read the next part of Zachariah and Elizabeth's story today, and our answer to how does a weary world rejoice is we allow ourselves to be amazed. So let's read Luke 1, 57 to 66 now. I'll read it. I didn't mean to imply you have to read it with me. <laughs> um, when it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father, but Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? They exclaimed, there's no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zachariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. 
Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. I see several distinct groups of people in this story. There's the two main characters, Zachariah and Elizabeth. Then there's the next biggest group of their neighbors and relatives. Then there's all the people in their neighborhood. And then the biggest group of people is the, the throughout the Judean hills. All are mentioned in these 10 verses, and many things are passed between them. Stories are passed. Awe and joy are passed. The story begins with Elizabeth having her baby. Her neighbors and relatives heard her story, and they all rejoiced with her. There's a point of connection here that's joy spreading. And then eight days later, all the neighbors and relatives come for a ritual ceremony. And this story paints a picture of how people who know each other well are when they get together. They get into each other's business. There's a whole thing about naming the baby, and the group doesn't like what Elizabeth said, so they go and check with the other parent. But these parents are on the same page because they know God already named this child. And then something amazing happens. Zachariah can speak again, and he begins praising God. When I imagine being there, it would have been pretty cool to hear Zachariah speak again. These are neighbors and relatives, so they've probably been with him repeatedly during that maybe year of time when he couldn't speak. And I imagine they're used to it by now. After all, they just gesture to him when they want him to answer a question. So it'd be surprising if he spoke a word after all that time. But I think the amazement and awe come also from what he says. The verse right after the passage I read earlier says, then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. And then there's 12 verses of his prophecy, which is longer than our whole story. If I were there and had heard him open his mouth and say all of those, that prophecy and praise of God, I would have been like, whoa, <laughs> something just happened there. As it said in verse 65, awe fell upon the whole neighborhood. And that's the next largest group of people in the story. Beyond the joy that was passed between Elizabeth Zechariah and their neighbors and relatives, the story reached the whole neighborhood and everyone felt awe. So I'm going to talk about awe for a minute. Because what is awe besides awe? <laughs> Apparently awe is on the cutting edge of emotional research right now. Did you know that? I didn't, but now we all do. A leading researcher and author about awe is Dr. Dacre Keltner, and I hope I pronounced his name right, a psychologist at the University of California, Berkeley. He wrote, awe is the feeling of being in the presence of something vast that transcends your understanding of the world. The people who heard Zachariah speak again, and all the people who heard about it from them, recognized that something vast happened something that went beyond their understanding of the world. Apparently, research is showing that awe is critical to our well-being and has tremendous health benefits. Our bodies react differently to awe than to any of the six basic emotions that you might be familiar with if you've seen Disney's Inside Out. Uh, anger, surprise, disgust, enjoyment, fear, and sadness. So researchers were able to see that awe is actually different because of how people responded. When we feel awe, we make a different sound and show a different facial expression. 
Dr. Keltner found that awe activates the vagal nerves, which are clusters of neurons in your spinal cord that regulate your bodily functions, and it slows your heart rate, relieves your digestion, and deepens your breathing. Awe also has psychological benefits. Dr. Keltner found that awe deactivates the default mode network, the part of your cortex involved in how we perceive ourselves. Because of this, awe seems to quiet negative self-talk or that critical voice that we have in our head that tells us we're not smart or beautiful or rich enough. If these biological responses to awe can be seen in experiments, imagine what happens when you're having a deep awe experience in real life. Because of this, Dr. Keltner thinks his lab experiments actually underestimate the impact of awe on our health and well-being. In Zachariah's story, the people felt awe and amazement from something big and important. Those types of events don't happen all that often. After all, if big momentous things happened every day, they'd become ordinary just by definition. Do you think awe only happens in the presence of something huge and life-changing, like seeing someone prophesy when filled with the Spirit? Or can we feel awe over small things? Yes, we can feel awe over small things. As part of his research, Dr. Keltner had people keep journals about their awe experiences. He found out that people were having two or three experiences of awe each week. He said, I was like, oh, I can just take a breath and look around. It doesn't require privilege or wealth. Awe is just around us. This was super important to me as I was preparing and reading all of this. And honestly, it's been life-changing already in the last couple of weeks since I started preparing for this morning. I often feel like I just can't manage to do one more thing. And if finding joy was another thing to do, I wouldn't or couldn't do it. But when it was pointed out to me, I could see the connection between little moments of being present and noticing and awe and joy. A couple of weeks ago, I had a moment like this and it happened right before I started studying for today. So I was able to recognize, oh, that just happened to me. <laughs> um, and it's like, a, it's a little moment, but I'm gonna share it just hoping you can connect with that because we all have little moments. But it was a Saturday and we just had a crazy week because we traveled for Thanksgiving and then the Sunday after we drove all day to get back. We'd been fighting sickness our whole trip uh, but we still had to dive right into Monday because it came and I woke up Monday morning with pink eye and a sinus infection and Daniel had to travel that week. He was gone Tuesday to 10 p.m. Friday because uh, he'd taken the week before off. And so this is Saturday <laughs> and I was so tired and I planned to nap while our youngest Roger napped in the early afternoon. So we put him down for his nap and we put a movie on for the girls. And then I heard him bumping around in his room, which meant he was not going to nap. And the weariness and the disappointment put me into a crying rage. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. And I put on my coat and I went out on the porch and I just angry cried. And after the storm of crying came some numb quietness. And then I just started to be aware that I was looking around me. Um, and I noticed the way some of the branches on our locust tree 
how branches are big and then they get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And um, I just was looking at these tiny little twigs that were sticking up into the sky and they were just amazing. <laughs> and then I noticed these drops of water hanging on our blue spruce tree and they were also so beautiful. And um, this noticing didn't fix anything. And it's really, as I was trying to come up with words, it's hard to describe what happened, but I think it was awe. My life felt more in its proper place and I was calmer and I was able to cope. The authors of this series that we're going through, they said, if joy feels out of reach, can we first allow ourselves to notice and take in the amazing wonders in each day, wonders we can too easily ignore, the swirl of silky white creamer in your morning coffee, the carefully crafted bird's nest in your favorite tree, the doe-like steps of a toddler as they discover the confidence to walk, the dappling beams of sunlight refracting through your window. They suggested we have a posture of paying attention and then saying yes to the wonder when it washes over us. If you kept an awe journal, what moments would you have to write in it? Do you remember times when you felt awe and were impacted by it? Are there times and places in your routine and schedule where you have the chance to notice? Is there this something you already do? How often do you allow yourself to feel awe? As we learn how to rejoice in a weary world, can we live in a way that allows amazement and wonder to surprise us often? This noticing things and having moments of awe is one type of amazement that I wanna point out this morning, but there's another kind of amazement that I wanna talk about too. It's when we consider and talk about the amazing things that God has done. Let's go back to our passage in Luke. Verse 58 says, and when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. And then also verse 64 says, instantly Zechariah could speak again and he began praising God and awe fell upon the whole neighborhood. The story of what God did for Elizabeth brought joy to many. Zechariah praised God, declaring his character and what he has done, and people were filled with awe. I'm going to read Psalm 126, and don't worry, it's only six verses. When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter, and we sang for joy, and the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. I love the statement, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Notice that amazement that leads to joy. And the telling of the stories creates a moment where people are sharing joy together. We can also notice the hard in these verses. People are planting in tears. They're weeping. 
Joy is not removed from sorrow. Joy can be a companion emotion felt alongside other feelings, excitement, exhaustion, relief, apprehension, even sadness. The authors of this series gave a list of recommended resources to study while preparing to preach this series. About one suggestion they wrote, if you begin this Advent series believing that joy is a standalone emotion removed from pain, this podcast will change your mind. It's from a podcast called We Can Do Hard Things with Glennon Doyle. The episode is called The Bravest Conversation We've Had, Andrea Gibson. Andrea Gibson is an award-winning spoken word poet. And when they were asked to be on the podcast, they had just been told their cancer was no longer in remission. So the conversation was deep and hard. And surprisingly, it was filled with joy too. You should read it or listen to it yourself because I can't do justice to the depth of Andrea's story, but I'll read you two things they said. Andrea said, <clears throat> I refuse to spend the rest of my life, I'm sorry, I refuse to spend the end of my life, no matter how much time it is, whether it's two months or 20 years, I refuse to spend it not loving my life. And that doesn't mean not feeling. My therapist taught me years ago that you can't shut yourself off to grief without also shutting yourself off to joy. You have to think, think of it like a kink in the hose. You stop the flow of sadness, you stop the flow of happiness at the same time. So I'm crying about twice an hour and then I'm bursting into laughter. So it's feeling it all to be open to this moment and to the aliveness of this moment. Whatever we're going through, it is possible to have joy. And Andrea shows a willingness and openness and allowing that lets joy in. The other thing that I'm gonna read you that Andrea said was part of a larger conversation they were having about God. Andrea's story and history with God is complex. If you were at the Listening to God workshop, then you might remember something that Bo said there. He said, that if you're talking to someone who's been hurt by the church and the word God brings up so many negative things that it's almost a wall that keeps this person from hearing what God is saying to them, then you could ask them, what does unconditional love say? And this came to my mind when I was reading this other thing that Andrea said. While talking about God, Andrea said, I don't even have a name but I guess I use God easily these days, which I didn't before, but is the most vital thing in my life. It is also a relationship in my life that makes me show up to the people in my life in a way that I respect. And I wasn't having that consistently before this experience. And so that's why initially I couldn't say this is just a disease. It was also medicine. And I'm trying to think if there are any words, but whenever I try to think about it, it almost, it escaped. It runs away. It runs away in my thoughts, but it's an experience, a sensory experience and an emotional experience of being absolutely loved and feeling that I am immensely and completely loved every moment of my life and always have been. And when I read that statement, I felt awe in the presence of something that transcends me. Andrea's hearing the voice of unconditional love. 
And I thought, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. When was the last time you were truly amazed? Have you ever experienced the feeling of amazement turning into unexpected joy? I'm going to share another little moment from my life. I'm in a Bible study for moms, and a couple weeks ago, we shared stories of God's glory in our life, which is basically just times God showed up. And each story had a wow with it, similar to our testimony time, and I felt awe and joy hearing what God had done. But I realized that I was feeling even more amazed at what God was doing right in that moment as we were talking, because I knew one story that a mom was sharing was relevant in another mom's life because I had just been talking to her about it the day before, and the mom sharing the story didn't know that. And after the study, a different mom shared with tears how one of the stories is exactly what she's going through right now. And we hugged her and prayed for her. And I'm still feeling amazement and joy that I got to hear the stories, but also see God move. I had a lot of trouble figuring out how to wrap up today's message. I thought about last week's theme of weariness in relationship and joy in connection and thought, well, when we're weary in relationships, God gives us relationships with other people that bring us joy. Check. Although it's harder when it's your children, your spouse, or your boss that's making you weary. And I've also oversimplified, but that was my thought process. Then with today's theme, with a broken world, I thought, Okay, God, you have to give us a new world then. This one is making us weary. Then in the middle of the night, God brought some verses to my mind. And I looked them up the next day and found 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. I think those things that we cannot see are what cause us to feel awe and amazement when we catch a glimpse of them. Because awe is that feeling of something bigger beyond our understanding. So this can be an encouragement and a pathway to moments of joy to us in this weary world. It's a yes and situation. Yes, our bodies are dying and our spirits are being renewed. Yes, we see so many troubles around us and other things are happening that we can't see. So God isn't giving us a new world but he lets us catch a glimpse of him and what he is doing in this one. I know many of you have heavy situations in your lives right now. A spouse with cancer, a dear friend in hospice, a marriage ending, broken relationships, chronic pain, a beloved pet dying, a parent dying, hopes deferred, children and grandchildren who are struggling, and so many more. If I were sitting with you, just the two of us, I would just listen. Because nothing I can say can make any of that better. But it'd be pretty weird if I stood up here not saying anything. So since it's the task I've been given this morning, I'll say something. 
I don't have the answer. I do know God cares and is the only one who can bring any good out of your situations. So my encouragement is to unkink the hose and bring all that you're feeling to him. Look around and ask if he will renew your spirit and show you something that can't be seen. Like our statement for today says, allow yourself to be amazed. Maybe you'll be surprised by joy. And for all of us, let's keep telling stories of amazing things that God has done. Let's be present and mindful. Like Andrea Gibson, let's be open to this moment and the aliveness of this moment. Let's hold joy for each other. Let's hold hope and faith for each other too. Let's allow ourselves to be amazed. I'm gonna end with prayer. Wonderful, amazing, astonishing, glorious God, thank you. Thank you for giving us bodies that feel and respond to awe. Thank you for being so much beyond us and anything we can understand. Thank you for all the amazing things you have done and are doing and will do. Help us to feel awe. Help us to recognize you at work. Please have mercy on those of us who are weary. Awaken those of us who feel numb. Renew us when our senses are dulled and we can only feel the dying. Please give us joy in the midst of our sorrow and in our everyday moments. We need you. Amen. That was awesome, Bonnie. Thank you so much. What a gift to be here and to be encouraged in that way. So many things I wrote down. Um, there was a couple, and I, and I almost felt like I needed to hear it again just for my own reference. So I love the podcast that you reference. So We Can Do Hard Things is the name of the podcast. And was it Andrea Gibson? It was that, so if you do a search, we can do hard things, Andrea Gibson, you can find it, and you can listen to that podcast if that's something you're interested in. I also found the words of the, the uh, passage in Corinthians that you felt like God sort of gave you for us. Was that 1 Corinthians 4? 2 Corinthians 4? So if you need to write that down and just read that again to yourself in the midst of your weariness. 2 Corinthians 4, and was that... Um, 16 through 18, beautiful. There's just some things you can come back to if you sense there was something for you. There was life in it, um, as I did. One of the responses that we like to do is, that, or that we have been doing on a weekly basis is communion. And we try to keep it pretty simple, but we change it up a bit. The simplicity is this, is that God welcomes us and wants our company. And when you can sense that for yourself and for the collective humanity, 
That's an awe-inspiring experience. Even as Bonnie was sharing in that story, to know that God loves us, the creator of the world loves us, and not only us, but has this beautiful love for all. It's an awe-inspiring moment if we can grasp it, the vastness of that kind of love. So we pause with that today to receive. Today, when we receive communion, we're going to have two separate sides to receive it. And so if you're on this side, you can go on the outside and come around. And we've got a piece of sourdough bread. You can tear a piece of that, and we're going to dip it into the juice because we ran out of communion cups. <laughs> so this is the way today. If you're weirded out by the dip, then just tear the bread and eat it. It's okay. Um, also, because we do want to be an inclusive community, and we know there's people who are weary from their food allergies. It's a real thing. And it stinks to find that. So we do have a gluten cracker right here in the middle. So if you want to grab one of those um, to be able to participate in this moment, you, you can do so. So we're going to send two sides, one on this side, and there will be a loaf, and we'll tear and dip. And then once you receive it, eat it. Eat is a sign of God welcoming you, but in, but in also a way, a God who allows us to welcome God. That's a vast idea, too. Like many of us have, were raised in traditions where we were kind of coerced, kind of like God loves you, but he's also going to hate you if you don't love him back, you know? And it felt like coercion instead of like, oh, no, I love you. Well, welcome me. And so in communion, it's this beautiful chance to welcome God. And to and it with within the same way as Bonnie was kind of with all of our ands of all the story we have and the trauma we've had and the questions we have and the uncertainties that we have, to know, yep, I welcome you, God, as you welcome me. And we welcome each other as the Lord welcomes us. So that's what we're doing here in communion. So I want to read a passage, and then we're going to do so. Also, for one of these things, um, I have not come prepared with people who are willing to serve communion. So do I have four people who would just like to, like to do I see Amanda already nudging her kids and saying she's volunteering her kids for this. Hey, that's a mother's love right there, girls. You better listen to your mom. You're in. I got two right now. And then I, I see Pete and Trent who are willing to be the other two, too. Thank you, guys. The Lord has chosen you today. <laughs> so so if, if one of you would want to take the loaf and just tear it in half and hand one to, to each side, and then if you have, here's the mug, and I have a little towel there just in case it drips that for the juice, for whoever these are holding that where people are dipping so that you can just not get your hands or clothes wet. Thank you. So here's the first Corinthians text of 11, when it talks about this moment. that when Jesus did this, it says, this is Paul talking to the church, say, when I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, on the night he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. 
as an act of love. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember my giving love. In the same way, he took a cup of wine after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant. It's a new relationship, a new promised relationship between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. That's a vast statement there. <laughs> I don't know if any of us get what that means, but it's deep, vast. Covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And the coming of God is good news, not scary news. The coming of God is the God who restores and makes things right, who is breaking in right now into this world. So in our eating and drinking, we remember God's love for us, for this world, and we announce the death of Jesus as an act of love for the world and us. And we announce that he's coming again. May you welcome God in this good news. So Father, thank you for the gifts that you give. You're a good God. And so we come and welcome you as you welcome us. And we enter that vastness. May we be able to notice and stand in awe in this moment that we do weekly. But yet there is awe here. So God, thank you. Amen. Heather is going to lead us in worship as we do that, but I invite you, so on this side, I invite you to come and to receive. All are welcome to come partake of communion. So we'll come down the sides and go back, and if you know the song or if not, feel free to join in and worship as you come and eat and drink.
That is one of my favorite Christmas songs. And such, it's filled with awe and wonder for me because of what it's held in the past and because of the future I see in it. So I'm just kind of overcome with emotion at the moment with what Bonnie has shared and with what we've done here today. So I invite you to stand because <laughs> that's what I do. But also because I can't think of a better song to express joy than this one here. So. Merry Christmas in advance, I can say that. Here we go. One, two, three, four.
awesome. Thank you. And that song before that was stinking beautiful. My word. My word. What a day. We look really impressive today. Lower your expectations, church. We had the heavy hitters today. <laughs> we thank God for the gifts of everyone and their uniqueness, for however they show up, and that's you. I feel the word of John the Baptist could be said for you today. What is this child's life going to be about? God's hand is on them. May you hear the hope and the all of that question for you. God's delight in you. May you sense that all today. Great to be with you. God bless you. If you want to come and pray for some scarves and hats, they are here. Have a great Sunday. I know the middle schoolers are having, or high schoolers are having some pizza making kind of things. We've got a busy afternoon in here. God bless you. Thursday night, the longest night of the year, 6 p.m. for our blue Christmas service. And then one week from today, Christmas Eve, 5 p.m. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday.